Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Howdy do, everybody. Whoever will be there now or whoever is near now or will be there at some future time. Uh, I am Dr. Lawrence Simon. And my show is called The Stories We Live By. And um, tonight's show was stimulated. I really hadn't planned on doing anything tonight. But it was stimulated by a very interesting article in the Sunday Review of October 10, 2014, uh, entitled, it was in the review, called Are We Really Conscious? And it's written by Michael S.A. Graziano, who is a professor of psychology and neuroscience at Princeton University. It's not a long article, and part of my problem with the article um, is that it should have been much, much longer since he puts into this relatively short article a whole variety of arguments, that needed really to be expanded before at least I could fully understand them. But the nature uh, of the article um, and what set me off to do the show are the implications of the article. What Graziano does, and because of who he is, and I've looked up his uh, his, uh, resume, this is an impressive man in an impressive university, uh, and he is a real scientist, uh, somebody uh, from his work uh, and what I understand about him that I genuinely admire. So his argument uh, that he makes really has to be taken seriously. This is not some uh, screwball argument. This is a very serious argument by a serious individual uh, who deserves our respect um, and who who makes an argument that in many ways I don't disagree with. And what he talks about is the nature of consciousness and with it the feeling that we are a self, uh, that we have personhood, and that we recognize in others that they have a self and that they are persons. And he talks about how this comes into being. Now, let me go back historically. Um, When I was online today, uh, I listened to him talk about, uh, much more than the article, uh, some of the history of this. And this is something that all psychologists learn, um, that uh, many years ago, Hippocrates, uh, this is centuries ago, recognized that the source of our being conscious, the source of self, the source that we're aware of the phenomena around us. Not only do we process the phenomena, and we'll talk about color in a a little bit, Uh, not only do we see red or green or white, uh, but we're aware of greenness 
and redness and whiteness. We're conscious of it. And we can be conscious of ourselves being conscious. And the question then is, uh, because being conscious of ourselves really seems to define for us what a human being is, uh, and Hippocrates recognized that somehow the brain was involved in the creation of consciousness, that consciousness um, disappeared as the brain became more injured and the brain disappeared. And I fully accept this. I do not believe uh, that I will exist as a conscious being when my brain is suffocated for lack of oxygen and I die. Now, this is a fairly new concept that comes uh, from the development of modern science. And not too many uh, centuries ago, a couple of hundred years ago, uh, a fellow very brilliant philosopher by the name of Descartes uh, became aware and became interested in the nature of consciousness. He's uh, well known for the statement, cogito ergo sum, I think, therefore I am. Um, and he believed that consciousness was a kind of a substance different from material substance and that it lived within us um, and attached itself to the brain and it was sort of the motor of our movement that we were sort of a kind of machine, uh, a, a, a maybe a puppet of a sort, a very complex puppet. And our consciousness, the sense of self, that I sit here now saying, feeling that I am the speaker, that I am doing my show, I am in control of this event, and that I, to me, is more than my body, uh, <clears throat> and I recognize again that my body doesn't exist without the, uh, the brain and the body that supports it, but that I somehow exist and what I call Larry Simon, what I call Dr. Simon, is not merely my body. In fact, it's the self that comes as part of the package of consciousness. And Descartes believed <clears throat> that the consciousness was of a different type of material, a different matter than physical body, um, but attached to the body. Uh, through uh, an organ in the brain called the pineal gland. And by tilting the pineal gland back and forth, uh, this uh, moved the body and we spoke and sort of like the self existed uh, in a body that could be looked like into our automobile where you sit behind the wheel and you engage in a variety of movements and the car goes forward or backwards or faster or slower, starts and stops. This really sits very hard with modern science for a variety of reasons, all of which I agree. What it suggests is that there's something that exists independent of what can be measured, what can be experimented upon, um, what can be touched, felt, seen. And when I say that, um, I immediately arouse the antipathy of those who believe that the self is really the modern word for the soul. Another concept that I will discuss before I hang up tonight. Um, <clears throat> but soul 
which we believe comes from a supernatural power we call God and enters the body at birth and then leaves the body at death is supernatural. And so the soul and the self really are somehow beyond science and denied by science. Now, this doesn't mean that there are many individual scientists who are deeply religious, but when they do scientific work, when they explain phenomena of our lives, what those explanations must involve are naturalistic explanations and not uh, uh, include anything that is supernatural or out of the realm of what science can uh, ultimately measure and see or hold as theory, which is it can never be a fact until somehow it falls within the purview of what we call the methods of science. So that Descartes' idea of a mind separate from a body and a mind that inhabits the body is something that uh, modern science simply rejects. And I do too. So we're left with a mystery. How does mind, consciousness, awareness, self come into existence? What his article deals with, Graziano, and I'm going to be forced... (coughs) even though I don't feel like at this point in my life I want to sit and really read through a difficult tome of science, what he does is try to create an explanation of how neurological activity produces mind, mental activity. And what he concludes, and by the way, I'm not going to go through the theory of of his attention mechanism theory um, and and all of the uh, complex that uh, uh, phenomena that occur in the brain to produce consciousness, to produce a sense of self. I'm not going to do that because he really doesn't do it in a three-page article. It couldn't be done, which is one of the weaknesses of the article, by the way, that the Times wrote this, uh, put this in, Uh, And the editor who accepted it, I think, was a little bit lazy since he doesn't really um, demand of Graziano uh, some of the mechanisms by which consciousness comes into play, although the reviews I read of the book uh, suggest that it's one of the more interesting theories about how consciousness arises. So uh, ultimately, I probably will read it to try and grasp the idea of the theory, none of which really has anything to do with my criticism of the article or its basic conclusions. So I want want to talk a little bit about um, some of the analogies he uses in in the article. For a long time, if you say, go back to, to a couple of centuries, Um, philosophers and scientists wondered about the color white because white seems to be the absence of color. There is all kinds of color 
and then there's white. And what he argues uh, in, in his, 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 his article, uh, which every young science student, uh, an educated person in the world now understands, is that white is in reality, in physical reality, a combination of the entire spectrum. It was Newton who, when he passed light, a source of light, through a prism, recognized that the light broke up into red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. That's the spectrum. I remember that from my physics courses in high school. Roy G. Biv, red, orange, yellow, uh, green, blue, indigo, and violet. I got it wrong the first time, but it's okay. I don't question that. What I question is his belief that if we look at color and the wavelength of, of each of the, of the colors that makes up white, wavelength is a real, I'm reading from his article, is a real physical phenomena. Color is the brain's approximate, slightly incorrect model of it. In the attention schema theory, which is his theory that is talked about but not really expanded because there was no time, and nobody reading the New York Times on a Sunday morning with a cup of coffee uh, was going to you know, spend a lot of time on this, uh, is the brain's approximate, slightly incorrect model of it. In the attention schema theory, attention is the physical phenomena, and awareness is the brain's approximate, slightly incorrect model of it. In neuroscience, attention is a process of enhancing some signals at the expense of others. It is a way of focusing resources. Attention, a real mechanistic phenomena that can be programmed into a computer chip. Awareness, a cartoonish reconstruction of attention that is physically inaccurate as the brain's internal model of color. This is why I'm doing the show. Because this, you see, is the problem that I have as a psychologist who believes very deeply in psychology. And as I've said many times on this show, I worry and I wonder about psychology as a science when it tries to imitate the physical and the biological sciences and then when a biological or physical explanation of psychological phenomena takes place, backs off and says, I guess we really don't know what we're talking about. And I have spoken many times, my last couple of shows, especially the one I did on recently on uh, <clears throat> um, uh, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, which is or depression, the kind of depression that I believe led um, Robin Williams in my last show to commit suicide, these then are brain problems. What happens in this article with these words, especially if you understand the implication of them, is that while he sees consciousness as a phenomena, he sees it as a caricature, to use his word, and cartoonish, but the real truth comes from the physical act 
of neurological activity in the brain. This is what bothers me, and this is what upsets me all the time. When people who are suffering are told the suffering isn't real, it's a manifestation of neurological activity that's gone awry. It's not working as it's supposed to. So there's a hierarchy that's being suggested here. Now, I don't question that color, that white is made up of a spectrum of color. But what I argue is that on a psychological level, it's white that is real to us. I can know all about what happens when light is passed through a prism and how it breaks up into its various colors. But no matter how I say that, when I look at my new car, it's white. And I chose it with my wife because it was white. And not only that, we have a discussion of whether our car is white in the same way as the car that we almost bought next to it. Now, to me, they looked almost the same, but my wife convinced me our car had a more cream white, and that was more of a flatter white. When we paint our house, when we decorate, people will look through hundreds of different types of white because they like the white that they experience to be the one they like best. So generally, when my wife picks out some white and I'm looking at our uh, frame of our door, it's not a basic white. It's an eggshell white. Still white. We're dealing now not with the physical qualities of white as the physicist looks at it, nor am I aware of what my brain is doing to produce the cartoonish aspect of white that really doesn't match up to the literal physical notion of white. But I live in the sense of a world that has white in it that I respond to as white and I have no choice but to do so. I'll talk about self in a moment. One of the mysteries of the brain, it's not such a mystery because of of its adaptive nature, is that when our brain is doing something, we only feel aware of the product. I don't feel what my brain does when I move. I don't feel what my brain does as I speak. I don't feel what my brain does as I play a game of golf. I don't feel what my brain does when I see and feel who I am as Larry Simon. Because if I could feel what the brain did, I would then be confusing the outer manifestation, my psychological perceptual awareness of white and me and the golf club with what's going on in my brain, and I couldn't function. None of us could function. So adaptively, what has happened is that the brain is silent as it produces all of these phenomena, or part of the production of the phenomena. And I'll get back to that in a moment, in a little while. 
So what we have is a psychological level and a physical, neurological, and biological level. And what so upsets me all the time when real scientists, those who claim they are the real scientists, the neuroscientists, the biologists, the physicists, they are the real scientists, the chemists, that we are merely epiphenomenon, that we are really operating at a level psychologically that is not somehow as real. It's cartoonish. It's a caricature of what is going on in the brain. And this deeply bothers me because if you reduce me to the biological activity of my brain, I really don't exist. And I insist that on a psychological level, I exist and anybody who listens to this exists. And so does Graziano exist on a psychological level. Not only a psychological level, but a social level. What is going on now is not only in me as neurological activity, but on a psychological level that I am speaking, and it is me that is speaking, and no matter how you tell me that there is no me that is doing the speaking and therefore is responsible for what I say and clearly struggling to develop my argument, I will tell you you're wrong and therefore your biological explanation is what is cartoonish and a caricature in relation to the psychology of the situation. But as I speak, I'm not just speaking I am speaking to you out there who is listening. What is going on is what is between us. It's not merely in my brain and can be reduced to neurological activity in my brain. But what is going on between me and people, and in this particular format of my speaking, um, I have no idea who will listen and who does listen, who doesn't listen. I have no idea. It's a very strange way of communicating. Uh, I do this in part, the more I think about it, because I miss teaching. I miss creating an argument uh, and delivering it to people who listen and evaluate. I miss that. I really deeply miss that. Uh, but that's not something in my life as it exists now that I'm going to be able to do any longer. So I do the show. Among other reasons, that's one of the reasons, an important reason. Psychology and the psychology and the sociology of us are real. It is underpinned by biology. I have no doubt that when I die, and I don't believe in anything supernatural. I don't believe anything will leave my body and go back to its maker. I don't believe any of that. But I do believe that I exist psychologically and that my feeling that I exist, that there is a me, an agent that performs actions and has to take responsibility for the consequences of the actions 
and that there is a me, that when things happen to me, whatever they are, physical, psychological, words that I hear, uh, uh, being hit by a golf ball, uh, whatever it is, that is as real as the desk in front of me or the phone that I am speaking into or that the neurological activity that um, uh, underpins, the biological activity that underpins my existing as a psychological being. And maybe Graziano believes that. If I read the book, maybe I will find that, that. But I don't think he really believes that. There is, in the attempt of science, something called reductionism, to look for the underlying reasons that things exist. I once had an argument with somebody in the science department where I taught who said, ultimately, we will understand ourselves in terms of the vibration of our molecules. The physicist will explain consciousness and who we are. And I don't question that the underlying uh, uh, reality of our uh, consciousness involves physics. It has a role. Change the, 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 the vibration of the molecules in my mind and my brain and my body, and everything else will change. But that's what Daniel Dennett, the philosopher, calls greedy reductionism. The fact that there are underpinnings, physical, chemical, and biological underpinnings to the psychology that each of us have, the sense that a self exists, and that we are terrified of anything that takes away that sense of self, whether we're reduced by social forces, that we don't matter, that we're not recognized, that we don't have value as human beings, that we are demonized, dehumanized, or the terror of learning that we have uh, dementia, or even worse, dementia created by Alzheimer's, a dreaded illness in our society at this point, that we will cease to exist because our brains will slowly cease to exist. But the fact that the brain can be held accountable in so many ways for the uh, uh, activity that we uh, see as psychological, thinking, reasoning, seeing, feeling, emoting, in no way diminishes the reality of those phenomenon. <clears throat> and I beg the listeners who have followed me so far not to let anybody convince them that they do not exist as a psychological, experiential self. It's what we have that makes us human. To turn us into a machine... <clears throat> to say we're merely the vibration of molecules or a complex neurological machine that computes. I'm always amazed at how we, as human beings, created the machines and created the computers, and now we claim that the computer uh, recreates us. Somehow, we should be understood in terms of the product of our own imagination and handiwork won't happen can't happen and if we let it happen 
we lose everything that is critical to us that makes us human. Again, I admire Graziano's work. Uh, I think what he does is wonderful. I think that he is adding to the store of human knowledge. And that ultimately, if his theory pans out, he will have added critically important information to the understanding of human behavior and human beings. And if it goes even further and leads to cures for Alzheimer's or dementia or other serious neurological problems, that will even be better. He will deserve all of the kudos and all of the rewards that he gets for his hard work. And it is hard work. And I sense from his voice on the computer and from the article, he's serious about his life. But what he's not serious enough about is his psychological reality that he has no way of experiencing other than as real. Dr. Grazia, I sent him an email. I haven't heard from him. I was hoping maybe he would call and I could get him on the show and talk to him and then he could tell me where I was uh, uh, being uh, uh, misunderstanding him or where I was being in, in some way, um, uh, you know, my conversation not being productive or not being accurate. Uh, but that I didn't expect to happen and hasn't happened. But to get rid of himself to say he is a caricature and an illusion, uh, uh, a mistake in neurological processing is really quite an awful, horrible thing. <clears throat> if I ask Dr. Graziano, and I've done this on my show before, is there anything wrong with the sentence, I have a brain? <clears throat> I'm sure he would argue it, it's fine. Right? The I in the sentence is as real as the brain in his experience, in my experience, and my dear listener, in your experience. Without that, without that, without that sense that we are real psychologically, that we matter, we can't be held responsible for anything. And more and more, people are not being held responsible. When somebody commits a murder, and we say it was because of their mental illness that their brain was in, uh, 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 somehow uh, not working properly. What we have then done is say that the human being is a mechanistic process. It's like my machine, uh, like, like a GM car that uh, killed people because uh, something happened to the starter and that when it went haywire, mechanically haywire, uh, the brakes wouldn't work and the airbags wouldn't deploy when it hit something. Not true. It can't be true. We know in our hearts it's not true. At that point, we have gotten rid of responsibility. We've gotten rid of the notion that we can grow as human beings. The machine is the machine. I have an 11-year-old Toyota Corolla that I drive, and I have great affection for it. I just had it really detailed. A guy came in and worked seven hours and cleaned it up. He got rid of a lot of the really bad scratches. I have new tires on the car. Last year, I had all the servicing that I hadn't done in the five years before, and it runs like a top. 
And since I paid for it in five years and I've had it now six years, I haven't had it been car payments. I have three, $350 extra a month to do with as I wish. I have no desire to get rid of the car. But if something happens to this car, I'll scrap it. Would I scrap a human being in the same way? No, because I see him as a precious human being. But I'd scrap it if I see him no different than my Toyota Corolla. A machine doesn't deserve respect. A machine doesn't feel it needs dignity, nor should it be accorded dignity. Even though I know people who love their cars more than they love their, love their families. And they invest in their cars a human quality, as if it had a self. They talk to the car. Certainly with animals, that's the case. Although I do believe animals have consciousness. It's not at the same level of processing that our brains and our lives produce. But it's there. There are people who would feed their dog and let somebody outside the house starve. But, but, but that's another issue. We need to be held as precious. When we see somebody dehumanized, when we see what uh, the, the terrorists in, in, uh, uh, called ISIS are doing, cutting off people's head with, with sharp knives, not even, uh, I mean, the death tortured after these people have been tortured and hollowed out as, as human beings, we have to feel horrified. And if we're not, we have to question ourselves, why not? This is a precious human life. Every religion teaches that. I'm not religious, but I take very seriously the commandments to see life as precious and not kill. I see that. It's necessary. I don't want to be treated as a discardable organism, a discardable machine. That's horrendous. Totally horrendous. So, if we are merely our brains and our neurological activity, and Graziano is not completely saying that, but it's close, that the real, the reality, the real is to be understood in the neurological activity and that the self doesn't exist. And the self does not exist physically. It'll never be found in the brain. It doesn't go and turn into a soul and, and go to heaven or to hell. I don't believe that for a second. But in my basic experience, white is white, not a mixture of colors. And myself is as real as anything else in this room. Even if I know that it won't be found in my brain, and that it can't be touched, and it can't be held, and it can't be measured. It exists as a psychological reality. So, one more thing. I want to talk about the soul. I don't believe in immortal souls. I don't believe that the soul I have, and the soul you have, my dear listener, um, exists in a way that will leave us in a white light when we pass away. I don't believe that. I wish I did believe that, 
but I can't make myself believe that. I'm a trained scientist. Supernatural phenomena are simply something that I can't accept. On the other hand, I believe we all have a soul. And that is the part of the self that we hold the most precious and the most dear. And that we will go crazy and violent to protect from attack. I believe that each of us has a soul as an aspect of the self that needs to be respected and cherished, that we have a precious soul. It's psychological activity. It's not physical activity. But it's there. And we know it is there. And when terrible things happen to us, and when we do terrible things, we will say, I not only feel I don't exist, I feel I'm without a soul. And when we see people do horrendous things, like cut off the heads of some poor reporter to, to make a political point, we say these are individuals who are soulless. They have a self. They can be held responsible. But something in their soul has died because they can't see the preciousness in the soul of another human being and another living being. Well, that's my message for tonight. That's my story. And I stick by it. So I admire Dr. Graziano's work. Um, I have to have my cataracts done over the next four weeks. So I can't order his book. And I won't or download the book, actually, from uh, onto my iPad. Because uh, my eyes are now at a point where I really can't read uh, with or without glasses. And so um, I hope I'm being fair to his argument. I don't fully understand it, but I believe he has a very good argument. And his argument may ultimately demonstrate how self and consciousness come into existence as a result of complex neurological activity. My argument with him, and I feel confident that I am standing on firm ground, with he and everybody else who argues that we are an illusion or a caricature or that we really don't exist psychologically, is that we do. That you have to take seriously what we are psychologically and what we are socially. And that it cannot be explained by neurological activity. It has to be accepted on the level at which it emerges from both psychological and social activity. And by the way, it's not just the brain that produces consciousness, but all of our senses and the input from our senses and all of our physical actions, internal, external, voluntary, and involuntary, and from the world we walk around in and live in and interact with. There would be no consciousness if we took our brains and put them, it was a science fiction movies in the 50s where our brain would be extracted from an individual and put into a jaw and somehow the brain could talk if wires and a speaker were hooked up to it. No such thing. No such thing. We need the body. We need, I feel the carpet. I'm walking back and forth now on my carpet and I feel it under my feet. I could not feel that under my feet if there were no carpet. I'm conscious of the carpet, but there has to be a carpet for me to be conscious 
about or of. So I think I've done what I wanted to do tonight. I've said what I want to say. I have uh, a cup of tea I'm going to make, and I have a uh, really nice nut loaf to have some dessert that I shouldn't have because uh, it's not really on my Weight Watchers list, and I'm sort of losing control of my um, of my uh, weight, but that's okay. We'll get it, get it back. So I'm going to hold for a few seconds. If there's anybody there who wants to call in, you can call in at 646-716-7756. I'd be happy, deliriously happy and delighted if somebody did, even if they wanted to disagree or uh, <clears throat> argue the point of uh, anything I'm making. So, I think that's enough. It's about 40 minutes, 41 minutes that I've been speaking. That's more than enough for me to speak, more than and enough for anybody to have to be forced to listen. So, nobody's there. Press the end. Do I sure I want to end this episode? End the episode. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.